Welcome to Spiritual Psychology. My name is Renee Lavalle McKenna, and I bring my 30 plus years as a recovering addict and ex crazy person turned therapist and shamanic healer to bring you snackable teachings on spirituality, psychology, and all things personal growth. And today I want to talk about levels of consciousness. And the simplest definition of consciousness is our awareness of ourselves and the world around us. And consciousness is certainly about our intellectual, rational mind, but it's also about our body felt awareness, our relationality, our felt experience, and our larger transpersonal awareness of the larger interconnected web of life of which we are a part, of our interaction with the life force or the divine, and this interplay we have with what some might call the larger consciousness system, a.k.a. God, that nasty little three-letter word that lots of people don't like to use anymore. I know I rarely use it because it always evokes Charlton Heston, bare-chested with white flowing hair, moving through Old Testament stories. It's a pretty limited perspective on the great spirit of the entire universe, even if he was kind of hot. Can God be hot? I suppose. Don't worry, kids, over 50 white hair can be hot. But anyway, there are lots of different ways to talk about consciousness. Many of us spend most of our time in our rational conscious mind, our intellect, which is the plane of thought. And we all have felt emotional experience. And particularly if you have feelings that don't seem to match with your rational intellectual self, we might call those subconscious. We have feelings and motivations that we don't understand about ourselves. We have awareness of them. In fact, they can even be quite powerful drivers in our life, but they might not quite make sense to the conscious mind. That would be the subconscious. And then there's the unconscious, and that's beliefs, experience, even whole ways of being, or parts of ourselves which we repress or suppress or completely deny. And the things we're unconscious about often really drive our lives, like unresolved trauma, places where we have shame, blame, victimization, unmet needs. And staying unconscious usually takes some work. For example, I had to use a lot of drugs, alcohol, and sex to stay unconscious about my own dysfunction and some pretty important foundational belief structures that were pretty screwed up. A deep sense of unworthiness, feeling like I was broken, and stuff that's unconscious and subconscious usually drives people into therapy. And I like to see humans from a structural standpoint, like a house, and our unconscious is usually like the foundation of the house. The subconscious is probably more like the basement where you store all that stuff that you don't know what to do with. You think you might use it later, but you can't really get rid of it. And the conscious mind is where we invite people in. It's kind of our social mask, how we see ourselves and how we want others to see us. Often the basement's a mess. We don't want to invite people down there. And we don't even think about the house having a foundation. That's unconscious. The good news is, Just like in a house, foundations can be rebuilt. Basements and attics can be cleared out and renovated, and the whole structure can become more functional and a generally happier, cleaner place to be. And then there's transpersonal consciousness, or perhaps we could call it supra-consciousness, 
in the realm of spirituality, which is an expanded awareness of the unity and oneness of all things. And the deeper we look inside ourselves or in any human, the more complex and mysterious we are, more like a fractal. A fractal is a mathematical pattern that's never ending. They're infinitely complex patterns that are self-similar and repeating into themselves. Kind of like the idea that each of our cells holds the DNA map for our entire structure. Or the complex atoms that make up the material world are each very similar to the larger orbiting universe. The more we grow and expand our consciousness, the deeper and more mysterious this whole human life thing is. I'm kind of a personal growth junkie. I've always been kind of a junkie in one way or another. <laughs> but the personal growth path is much better than the cocaine, vodka, and emotionally unavailable men continuum. But I have to say, I'm endlessly surprised that when I think I've kind of reached the end of what's possible, a whole new world opens up over and over again. I have felt like Dorothy walking into Oz probably six times in my life. And it's happening again for me right now, in my late 50s. And one of the things that's become very clear to me in this fractal universe of infinite possibility is that each person has a very unique perspective. That complex configuration of unconscious, subconscious, conscious, and superconscious is a unique kaleidoscope or lens through which we see the world. I've had the particular opportunity to work with a set of identical twins. They've attended all the same schools. They went to the same college. They're pursuing the same career. Both amazing young women and incredibly different in the way they see themselves, others, and the world. Now that might not be obvious on the surface, on that kind of conscious social mask level, but I have the privilege to sit deeply with people. That's why I love my work. The mystery of humanity is profound. And even when we think we really know someone or think we really know ourselves, things change. Something new happens or something old comes up to be healed that we didn't know about. Opening to our own and other people's consciousness is an exciting adventure. It's like being an explorer into the unknown. And if done deeply and openly, we actually never know where we're going to end up. But these perspectives, these lenses that we wear, that we see the world through, most of us don't even know that we have a lens. It's just the way it is. That's those subconscious or unconscious beliefs. It's like people who wear glasses. They forget they have them on. And the very excellent news is that we can change those glasses out and change our perspective on ourselves, on others, and on the world at large. When I was 23, I was a bitter, angry, hopeless drug addict and alcoholic. I was filled with self-hatred and humiliation. I used to steal food from 7-Eleven when I was hungry and return recyclables to put gas in my car, which was a shitbox and always breaking down. I had sex with people I didn't know their last name, and I couldn't hold a job or tell the truth. Not the real truth, anyway. And there have been so many perspective changes in my life, I couldn't even count them. I was incredibly limited, fearful, self-centered. I had no idea what my needs were, never mind attempting to actually meet them. 
and I lived in not-so-quiet desperation. And it doesn't take 30 years of personal growth work to change. Change can start right now. But it's not about changing the outside. Our culture tells us, get the right job, find the right guy, lose the right amount of weight, everything will be good, right? We have to fix the inside first, and then the outside will follow. That's been my experience. And one of the most radical changes that happened for me was to move from asking, what can I get, to asking, what can I give? And that simple shift from selfishness to selflessness has brought me from a place of stealing to a place of generosity, from believing that if you really knew me, you would reject me, to realizing that my smelliest garbage can be compost for other people's gardens. That as the St. Francis prayer says, it is by self-forgetting that one finds, it is by forgiving that one is forgiven. It is by being willing to die to my old ways of being that I awaken to eternal life. And there are lots of tools we can use to heal, transform, and elevate our own consciousness. I'm biased because I'm a therapist, but I do believe that evolving our own consciousness is the most important work we can do here. On a metaphysical perspective, it could be understood that our outer experience is a reflection of our internal consciousness. I know it's true for me because my external life is fucking amazing. Now that hasn't always reflected my internal experience, but there is a correlation. And so what does elevating our consciousness mean in a practical way? You may have heard me mention David R. Hawkins, the late great psychiatrist and spiritual teacher who developed what he called a map of consciousness. And he used a number scale from zero to a thousand. So for example, shame and blame, guilt and humiliation resonate very low on the consciousness scale, around 20 or 30. Fear and anxiety resonate around 100. Pride and anger, hate and scorn, around 150 or 175. Dr. Hawkins believed that once we reach the level of courage, empowerment, affirmation, which he ascribed to the level of 200, a switch is made. That switch from selfishness to selflessness. And that's a huge consciousness shift from hopeless to hopeful, from fear to love. And so hope, optimism, willingness resonate in the 300s. Wisdom, meaning, understanding, the level of true reason is at 400. Love, joy, completeness, serenity are in the 500s. And 600 and above is a place of peace, bliss, unified consciousness, often known as enlightenment. And each of these states, what he calls levels of consciousness, could be seen as those lenses that we see the world from. If I'm wearing a prescription for guilt and shame, I will see everything as if I'm bad, that I did something wrong. If I'm wearing a lens of fear, I will see the world as a punishing, frightful place and want to withdraw. If I see the world through a place of wanting and craving, I will be completely disappointed and feel that the universe is denying me. I will be enslaved. But if I can build my foundation on courage, 
and empowerment. I will see the world as permissive. Things become feasible. I will experience an affirmative relationship with the larger consciousness system. If I resonate with hope and willingness, I will view the world through a lens of optimism, inspiration, and the power of my own intentions to manifest things. An outlook of forgiveness and acceptance brings mercy, harmony, and an experience of the possibilities of transcendence, of truly growing and changing into something completely different and new. And if I view the world from a lens of love, I will experience life from a place of reverence, gratitude, that all things work for the greater good. Now, humans are complex, and we don't have a simple prescription for the glasses that we look through. If these perspectives or levels of consciousness were notes on a musical scale, we would probably play more like a musical chord or even a whole complex song than a single note. I know on any given day, I can range from love, hope, and inspiration to fear, grief, and despair. I rarely drop all the way down to guilt and shame anymore thank God, the lower resonances are places of suffering. The information about where we need to grow in our consciousness and to shift our perspective. And as I said, there are myriad tools to do this. All great religious and spiritual traditions offer a path of self-transformation. Good therapy and personal growth work absolutely elevate us. Notice I said good therapy. I always like to ask people, what are you working on? And if the answer is, I don't know, then you probably aren't working on anything. (laughs) And just like each of us has a different perspective, our own unique, quirky configuration, there are different paths that work better for different people. The path of spiritual psychology that I offer is one, but it doesn't work for everybody. Personal growth is not Brandy Melville, one size fits all. I think that's part of the reason for the rejection of the word God, because it's A very limiting path that's not accessible to a lot of people. All great religions have mystical aspects to them, which is what provides for a unique individual access. But a lot of people have been so turned off or even damaged by their experience with organized religion that they've rejected the whole thing. And subsequently, there is an explosion of other ways to grow our consciousness. And I deeply hope that you will find a path that works for you and stick with it. I know many people who will tell you they've been doing personal growth work for years. Oh, I've been to this workshop and that teacher. I got a certification in this program, went to that school, read this book, listened to that tape, and nothing's changed because they're skimming the surface, staying in the living room. It's the downside of all these spiritual and transformational tools that are available to us now is that it can be almost like compulsive shopping. I'll take two of those, one of those. Ooh, I like that one. I'll get that one in five colors. And we have a a closet full of crap that we don't wear. And one of my favorite philosophers, Houston Smith, said, if you want water, it's better to dig one well 60 feet deep than to dig 10 wells six feet each. So if you want to get a new lens on your life and elevate your consciousness then pick one and stick with it. Now, you don't have to stick with it forever, but stick with it for five years. That's my advice. Take it or leave it. But just because you're sitting in a chicken coop doesn't mean you're a chicken. And just because you're in a therapy office or a workshop doesn't mean you're growing. 
And there's other ways to understand levels of consciousness from a brainwave perspective. Beta, theta, delta is a big resurgence in the use of psychedelics and hallucinogenics to open people's awareness of consciousness. Those are tools just like hypnotherapy, body-centered mindfulness, meditation, Christian mysticism, the Jewish Kabbalah. But my unfortunate experience is a lot of people do psychedelics looking for a quick fix, and growth doesn't work that way. In order to get apples from the apple tree, it needs to be a sapling first, grow deep roots, get a strong trunk, and many branches. And that takes time, care, water, and sunlight. And our soul and our consciousness are the same way. Care for them in the long run, and they will provide harvests of many fruits. But you can't just water the tree once, or it won't grow. In fact, it might even die. May you find the path that waters your own soul and stick with it to elevate your consciousness and to bring into the world what you came here to bring for the highest good of yourself and all you come in contact with. Thank you so much for listening. If you're interested in finding out about how spiritual psychology might benefit you in your life or learning more about my three-month mentorship program, shoot me an email, info at reneemckenna.com. There's a link to a free download of the first chapters of my book, Allies and Demons, Working with Spirit for Power and Healing. And I'm doing an Instagram Live this Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, continuing my discussion with Neil Allen, author of Shapes of Truth, and talking about his own perspective on cultivating higher consciousness within ourselves and how it's available to all of us. It's great work. And the replay is available on our IGTV channel, at Open Door Growth. Deep gratitude to my supporters on Patreon. Blessings on your path until we meet again. This is Renee LaValle McKenna for Spiritual Psychology.